International Law and Sustainable Development, taught by me, Charlotte Siebergasser, at the University of Lucerne in Spring Term 2021. Final Episode 6 Law of Sustainable Development It's Complicated This final episode is about the overall course content regarding international law and sustainable development, as well as about the financial and political implications of the sustainable development goals for developing countries and why sustainable development is not enforceable under international law. The episode concludes with two very recent court rulings in Germany and in the Netherlands regarding implications of climate change mitigation for uh, human rights protection. Introduction The focus of this part of the lecture was on Uh, mainstreaming sustainable development in international law. One way to do so is, for instance, through the sustainable development goals, which are not law per se, but nevertheless uh, reflect a international consensus with regard to what sustainable development ought to be about. Next to the sustainable development goals, we've looked at different areas and layers of international law. Within the body of international law, we've realized that um, one tricky aspect is the enforceability of international obligations, particularly with regard to sustainable development. Another observation with regard to the role of sustainable development in international law pertains to uh, the temporary focus of international obligations. Large parts of the body of international law actually deal with the compensation for damages um, which occurred due to violations of international obligations, be it with regard to the protection of the environment or with regard to the protection of human rights. Those obligations cannot be considered to be about sustainable development in the strict sense of the meaning of sustainable development since uh, the occurrence of damages already kind of contradicts the underlying concept of sustainable development. Why is that the case? Well, simply because once damages have occurred, let's say a very special frog has gone extinct or uh, the lungs of workers um, have been poisoned by asbestos, uh, basically all sustainable development has already foregone. Hence, generally with regard to uh, the law, In the very strict sense of uh, sustainable development, we can only consider those rules and obligations to be strictly about sustainable development, which are rather prospective and are focused on preventing damages from occurring in the first place. Sustainable development in international trade regulation. 
With regard to the strict sense of sustainable development, international trade regulation is uh, very critical for the functioning of global value chains and therewith uh, critical also for the protection of economic growth all around the globe and for the creation of new jobs. Finally, it's also very critical for the protection and fostering of innovation. Still within the strict meaning of uh, sustainable development, international trade regulation also may actually prevent a swift change from environmentally uh, damaging policies to environmentally friendly policies. It contributes to um, the race to the bottom with regard to processing and production methods and it also contributes to inequality within societies but also between societies. As we have seen, with regard to reversing the negative side effects of international trade regulation for achieving sustainable development globally, there is relatively little scope for improvement currently as long as we lack a new global consensus, particularly um, with regard to minimum standards in the, in, for, for processing and production methods. Sustainable Development in International Investment Regulation. With regard to the implications of international investment regulation for sustainable development, we have seen that international investment regulation actually protects the outsourcing and therewith the creation of new jobs in foreign markets. Therewith, International investment regulation plays a critical part in the reduction of inequality uh, within societies but also between societies. Through this process of outsourcing and creating new jobs in foreign markets, actually also international investment regulation protects technology transfer and knowledge transfer uh, between societies. On the other hand, and still within the strict meaning of sustainable development, international investment regulation may actually contribute to a regulatory chill with regard to an increase in minimum standards in the production and processing of uh, goods. And it may therewith also contribute to environmental harm to the extent that it will make it more difficult to switch from environmentally harmful to environmentally friendly policies in a particular country. And that again is linked with the infamous uh, race to the bottom with regard to standards in the production and processing of goods. Since international investment regulation, however, is not depending on global consensus, there is indeed ample scope for improvement with regard to fostering sustainable development through international investment regulation. Particularly, we have seen that in uh, 
bilateral investment treaties, certain conditions can be established which would be very beneficial to achieving sustainable development, for instance, with regard to a minimum uh, percentage of local workforce in a foreign direct investment or with regard to uh, mandatory technology and knowledge transfer. But also we have seen that through the regulation of um, responsibilities along global value chains um, through regulation basically uh, from the home state of foreign investment, um, we can achieve a higher level of sustainable development at a very uh, fast pace. Sustainable development in international human rights law. With regard to the strict meaning of sustainable development, it has been argued that um, international human rights are already so close to the core essence of what sustainable development is about that the sustainable development goals could have relied much more heavily on the existing human rights law network. Most critically, the international human rights law establishes a regulatory preference for human rights protection whenever we meet a trade-off between different interests which might be at stake. Therewith, international human rights law strengthens in particular the, uh, the, the social dimension um, of sustainable development considerably. However, this very um, specific strength of international human rights law with regard to the strict meaning of sustainable development is also its weakness in the sense that once we have, uh, we have to face trade-offs between human rights protection and the environment or the protection of the environment, usually uh, human rights take precedence because of this regulatory preference as is established and deeply embedded in the international, the body of international law. And finally, while international human rights law comes quite close at indeed covering the most uh, the critical essence of sustainable development, it does not entail an intergenerational dimension yet. We have seen that these weaknesses uh, with regard to the strict meaning of sustainable development in international human rights law are about to be amended through a um, right to life in a healthy environment or the recognition of a um, healthy environment as part, being part of uh, the fundamental protection of human rights. International law of sustainable development, it's complicated. Closest to covering all elements of sustainable development at the international level are indeed the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which are based on a global consensus, but they do not constitute international law. And while this general consensus is a powerful um, promoter of sustainable development on the national and international level, it may 
actually suffer from the same childhood disease as did the Brundtland report, meaning that everyone reads something different into the concept of sustainable development or continues actually to do so. One side effect of this very broad concept of sustainable development that continues to um, thrive at the international level is the fact that the implementation of all of the 17 sustainable development goals and of their targets would exceed the financial means of developing countries. Therefore, sustainable development in the meaning of the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, cannot become binding in international law and neither in national law in a developing country context because simply um, those countries would not be able to afford achieving all of these uh, goals at the same time. Therefore, it has been argued that the rights-based approach is indeed bound to fail. Also related to this is the fact that the sustainable development goals expand conceptual parameters of sustainable development and are therewith not helping in narrowing down the range of possible definitions. Most critically, environmental protection is and remains still at the core of sustainable development as uh, is, is uh, promoted in the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Therewith, um, conflicts with, develop with developing country policies which are aiming, and perhaps rightfully so, at economic development in order to escape from poverty um, with the UN Sustainable Development Goals and environmental protection are not resolved. It has also been argued that the Sustainable Development Goals and the concept of the overall concept of sustainable development should have addressed local variances. Poverty may still be the biggest problem in most countries um, on this planet, and Ultimately, um, it, it seems that it will hold true that without the development, we will never be able to achieve sustainable development. It has therefore been suggested that separate sets of sustainable development goals, which are in line with local development, would contribute to the resolution of these inherent trade-offs. <laughs> Some consider the sustainable development goals to be unfair because while we may share a common future, we are certainly not sharing a common past. It has been noted over and over again that the responsibility over global environmental damage and resource depletion is not identical across the board. And while, of course, the sustainable development goals apply to all country, countries alike and have no binding commitment of industrialized countries to compensate for the environmental harm their own industrialization caused in the past. Because of this, actually, the sustainable development goals and fully despite their flexible bottom-up approach appear to be based still on a one-size-fits-all approach that we have seen in the past actually does not promise to yield uh, wonderful results with regard to sustainable development. 
Finally, it has been noted and observed that the not so precise definition of sustainable development, while it may have been the reason why we indeed do have this global consensus with regard to um, the sustainable development goals, this not so precise definition, however, um, affects developing countries um, unequally. This is because international organizations and international finance institutions indeed align their funding with the sustainable development goals. And given that the sustainable development goals are so broad and um, non-precise, they are still able to uh, therewith uh, force developing countries into conditionalities that um, are uh, in line with the sustainable development, but um, actually they, the, the scope for interpretation may indeed be too broad. Industrialized countries, of course, are not affected by this lack of precise definition, since industrialized countries typically do not depend on international organizations and international finance institutions work at home in their own territory. Mainstreaming Sustainable Development in International Law A Summary We have seen that international law does not provide for a legally binding or precise definition of sustainable development, nor is expected that it will anytime soon. Therewith, Enforcement of the Sustainable Development Goals and of Sustainable Development in general is tied to national measures and to conditionality by international organizations and by funding institutions. It has therefore been argued that there is a risk of history repeating itself. Priorities for poor countries are defined by the few wealthy nations. As we have seen, however, in this course now, through measures in trade, in investment and in human rights, within the existing regulatory framework of binding international law, global leverage for the promotion and enforcement of sustainable development and for mainstreaming sustainable development on the global level can indeed be achieved. very recent case law proving that we might get there sooner rather than later. The first potentially groundbreaking very recent judgment is from Germany, from the German Constitutional Court and from the tw uh, 24th of March this year and it deals actually with state obligations with regard to the protection against climate change. The German Constitutional Court held that climate, the protection against climate change actually constitutes a fundamental right in Germany um, of the German citizens. And it further stated that the state is obliged to combat climate change because of this fundamental right against, uh, of protection against climate change. Furthermore, among others, the court held that current relatively light limitations of fundamental rights which are necessary 
um, a necessary consequence of uh, combating climate change, that they are justified because they prevent future massive limitations of fundamental rights. Importantly also, the court actually held that there is uh, intergenerational um, obligation of the state to also protect the climate and the environment on behalf of future generations. And this obligation, that a violation, a potential violation of this obligation can actually be claimed in front of German courts. And very interestingly, actually, the German Constitutional Court finally held also that um, there is an obligation inherent in this fundamental right to protection against climate change because of the very international nature of climate change um, for the state to cooperate in international on the international level with other states and entities to combat climate change also at the global level and not only at the local level. The other potentially groundbreaking judgment was issued yesterday by a Dutch court um, and deals actually with obligations of uh, corporations, private corporations, with regard to the combat of climate change. Similar to the uh, German constitutional court, the Dutch court actually held that the combat of climate change is a public interest. The court further held that uh, the fight, uh, the protection against climate change was actually falls within the scope of the protection of human rights and in particular the scope of the right to life. Most notably actually the court quoted um, from the UN Special Rapporteur on Human Rights which stated the following in 2019 there is now global agreement that human rights norms apply to the full spectrum of environmental issues, including climate change. Hence, once the climate change mitigation was established as being part of the uh, protected human rights obligations, the court needed to assess to what extent a private company, in this case the Shell Corporation, was actually also obliged to protect uh, these uh, human rights. With respect to this question, the court held that the responsibility of business enterprises to respect human rights um, was actually a global standard of expected conduct for, for all um, business enterprises wherever they operate. Hence, the court actually deduced that um, it was universally endorsed that companies must respect human rights, including, as was established before, um, in obligations with regard to the combat of climate change. With regard to the specific responsibility or the scope of responsibility of business enterprises, the court held the following. The responsibility of business enterprises to respect human rights applies to all enterprises regardless of their size, sector, operational context, ownership and structure. Nevertheless, the scale and complexity of the means through which enterprises meet that responsibility may vary according to these factors and with the severity of the enterprise's adverse human rights impacts. 
In this particular case, the court was especially of the opinion that much was expected from Shell, from the Shell Group, which um, actually consists of about 1,000 companies and operates in 160 countries all over the world. And because Shell was actually a major player in the worldwide market of fossil fuels and was responsible for significant CO2 emissions, which exceed the emissions of many states and which contributes towards global warming and the dangerous climate change in the Netherlands, with serious and irreversible consequences and risks for the human rights of Dutch residents. Ultimately, the court actually held that um, through recourse to the Paris Agreement and the reports by the IPCC, um, that Shell was actually obliged to reduce CO2 emissions compared to levels of 2019 uh, until 2030 by 45%, and not only in the production of their fossil fuels, but actually also with regard to um, how these products that they were selling um, were being used. Hence, those two very recent rulings actually both acknowledge that there is an environmental aspect inherent in human rights protection and that not only states have responsibilities with regard to the protection of human rights through climate change mitigation, but also uh, private companies actually are held responsible uh, just, just as much or almost as much as the states. At least with regard to um, the particular case of climate change mitigation, um, these rulings point actually towards a tendency to move one step closer to squaring the circle with regard to the three dimensions inherent in sustainable development through the expansion of human rights protection to also include environmental concerns. International Law and Sustainable Development Taught by me, Charlotte Siebergasser, at the University of Lucerne in Spring Term 2021.